Hi, I'm former Buffalo Bills wide receiver Don Beebe, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellas on Circling the Wagons podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Because nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey Bills fans, welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us. This is normally when we do our recap episode of the game that just happened prior to this podcast. But being Sunday, being uh, what happened with the Titans, which we're going to get into, there is no game for us to recap. So there will be no stats of the game, no sweet sassy molassie plays of the game, no wall of famers and wall of shamers, all the segments you love. Uh, We're not going to do those today, but we will be back again with you on Tuesday Tuesday night after the Bills play, and we're going to get into that in a minute. Um, I'm joined for this episode with my co-host, John. John, let's get right into the the items of the day that have happened in regards to the Titans and the Buffalo Bills and, and everything going on, and let's get just get the listeners up to speed on what's happening. Now, mind you, we're recording this um, Sunday night. Anything can change. within. Well, I don't imagine we're going to get any more positive tests. Between the time now and when people wake up on Monday morning, uh, but um, when we woke up this morning, Sunday morning, uh, Tennessee and the Titans announced in a statement on Sunday that they closed their facility temporarily after a staff member tested positive for COVID nineteen. NFL Network's Tom Pelissero reported the staff member was a Titans coach. So the move to close the facility comes just one day after Tennessee returned to practice held for the first time this month following a COVID-19 outbreak among players. Um, We are now up to, I believe, 24 players and personnel up to this point. And then we, we just found out right after, right before we got on the podcast that the, um, the Titans did actually practice this afternoon (laughs) after all. (laughs) And uh, the Titans held their first quote unquote real practice on Sunday um, afternoon, the team received clearance from the league and extra precautions, which included masks on players, which were taken um, on Saturday. The Titans held a walkthrough, but as aforementioned, this was the team's first true practice in roughly three weeks. The practice comes ahead of the team's week five game against the Buffalo Bills on Tuesday, which is still on that game being Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the game that was originally supposed to happen today. And uh, John, this is such a such a weird thing. I feel like it changes day by day, hour by hour. Originally, we were, you know, Saturday went fine, no no positive tests. So you're like, okay, well, you know, Sunday will go fine. They're still they're still uh, you know trending upward as far as you know Tuesday happening, and then and then. This morning happened where another personnel member was found positive. And I don't know about you, but I was thinking, like, this game's not going to happen Tuesday at all, right? Did that th- thought cross your mind, too? 
Yeah, I mean, even before this morning's positive case, I just assumed that there would be more positive cases and the game wouldn't happen. Um, I know that, you know, the, the NFL plan A is going to be like, get everything done in 17 weeks, right? So, I mean, if this doesn't happen Tuesday, um, that, you know, they're going to have to expand the number of weeks in the season, right? Yeah, that's a fun conversation. Let's go right into expanding the season and if they will, because we were talking about this before we start, before we got on. And um, you actually had some really good ideas. I shouldn't say actually. You do have some very good ideas. This isn't a surprise that you had a good idea. <laughs> you have good ideas. It's just uh, I don't give you enough credit. So um, the worry is that there's going to end up being a week 18, right? So, And the problem with that is with week 18, you might be forcing teams that would normally – have a bye or have time off before the playoffs. Now they're playing the week right before the playoffs and it's a little unfair to those teams or forcing, you know, a lot of other teams might get two weeks off and the bills might only get one week off or any team that has to play the Titans right now, the Steelers potentially, or um, any other team that ends up going. But what was, what was your idea? I thought that was actually uh, might solve a lot of problems the NFL is having. Right. So instead of having like a week 18 and 19 where you're messing with number of bye weeks or playoff teams and playoff teams might have to play during those weeks, maybe we just have, you know, we, after week eight, we have a bye week for everybody, but it's like a makeup game week as necessary. And then after week 12, we have another one, something like that, like eight and a half and 12 and a half. And you get your 18 and 19 weeks in there as opposed to the end of the season. I love that idea. I, I I would I would be all on board for that, especially because at this point it seems like the season's going to be pushed backwards, right? I think the NFL is doing everything they possibly can to keep this, and it's not just revenue, which I know is the main driving force. They probably don't want to drag this out any longer because each week that passes, in general, even if it's a bye week or players aren't playing for whatever reason, like it's still a potential that there could be an outbreak on any team at any given time period. So uh, I I believe I you know I read and I saw on TV that the the Super Bowl is uh, that venue is booked until the end of February right now at this point so they could at any time add in three more weeks to get there and possibly even more time if you include the fact that they don't really need to take that week off in between the the champion AFC NFC Championship games and the Super Bowl and uh, yeah so um, it'll be really interesting I I love your idea a lot because. Um, especially maybe even after week 12. I believe week 12 is the last week that people have buys, teams have buys. So so if you have some, you know, the, there's extra buy weeks after that and you're not like, if you give everyone a week eight buy potentially, I mean, their teams already have week eight buys. So then they lose that second buy week. Whereas if you put them at the end, um, after everyone already gets their buy weeks, then no matter what, everyone will get hopefully two bye weeks. <laughs> Um, by that point, except the Titans, they don't deserve it. They don't, they don't get one. You know, you haven't earned it. Um, it's it is incredible to me in general how much the NFL is bending over backwards for the Titans. And I get it. Um, I get that they want to get as much revenue as they can by having these Titans game played, and they don't want to want to have any forfeits or you know put the the league's um, standing in in jeopardy as far as you know. Did this they don't want to get into a mess down the line where they have to figure out tiebreakers and one game was a forfeit and one game wasn't and they have to determine which one was more important for whatever reason I get that um but man I I just as a bills fan as as a 
team that's affected by this directly, it's very frustrating to see this happen and to see the Titans after reports of them practicing outside of protocol, which they're not supposed to. And nobody seemed to deny it, by the way, anyway, on Twitter. They were just, like, defending it. <laughs> like, all the players were defending what had happened. Um, and I get it, but you have to follow. You, you, and I think this is, like, not. this is kind of like a microcosm for, like, the country at some point because a lot of people just don't think they'll ever get sick. Like, whereas, you know, this is perfect is a perfect example of like how you have to treat everyone as if they're sick sometimes. <laughs> and the Titans players didn't because Ryan Tannehill even mentioned today, like players are asymptomatic. So you don't think they have it. And other players seem like they're sick, but don't have it, which is a little weird. I don't think that's the truth, but you know, it is like, you know, who are you supposed to treat? I guess we got to treat everyone as if they have it. And it's like, yes, you should have been doing that from the beginning, <laughs> especially when you found out that there were positives on the coaching staff and the team. Um, but I mean, John, is it, isn't it frustrating to you in the same vein of, of seeing all of these things? I mean, it, it works against the benefit of the bills to have this because of, you know, the chiefs game, the upcoming chiefs game, they lose the primetime game. The chiefs get extra time to prepare for them. Then the bills get the bills play on a shorter week than the chiefs do. Um, I mean, how frustrating is it to, for you to see these, to see these items happen at a time where like 30 Almost 30 other teams aren't having the same issue. Absolutely frustrating. Um, but I will say that I do have faith in the Bills organization for like the first time in forever, not to quote Frozen. For the first time in forever. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I did not think you were going to quote Frozen. But I mean, like, look at Pittsburgh, right? They, you know, they kind of got screwed over, had a super early bye. We came back really strong, beat the Eagles. I mean, obviously they have a long, long ways to go without having a all right? So it kind of screws them too. Um, <clears throat> but I have, I have faith in organization and that we can overcome this despite having to play the Titans and the Chiefs over the next two games. Mm-hmm. So the Titans have had the last two weeks, essentially, to prepare for the Bills, not in their facility, more than like, what, a half day, it seems. <laughs> but but to game plan and scheme for the Buffalo Bills for two weeks. Um, so I think that's a disadvantage. I think the Bills um, moving two games from their original time isn't such a bad thing. Maybe it'll help someone get healthy. We did find out that Matt Milano is definitely out, no matter what, for this upcoming game, which stinks. Um, but Tredavious White wasn't practicing all week. Hopefully he will be ready to return on Tuesday. Um, but other than that, I mean, you know, you went from having, you know, Sunday and playing on Thursday night. Um, so if, if the bills had played Sunday, like today, and they played Thursday night against the chiefs, they would have had the same amount of time to prepare for the chiefs as the chiefs had to prepare for the bills. Now the chiefs are done today. They have, even though they lost, (laughs) we'll talk about that later. Um, the chiefs have more time to prepare for the bills than the bills have time to prepare for the chiefs. And then they lose their um, Thursday night game. Technically, it'll be Monday night, which is going to be at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is not ideal. We were texting about that earlier. It's not ideal if you have a job that ends at 5 p.m. and uh, you're trying to get home to see the game. Um, Not ideal. Uh, Not ideal only because before it would have been completely fine. I saw people attacking other people on Twitter saying, you know, you should just be thankful you're alive and have a job. Like who cares if you miss the beginning of a game? It's like, yeah, okay. I think we can separate the two a little bit because we were supposed to have this game 
at a time when everyone could see it at 8:20 p.m. and now you know it's going to be it's going to be tough to see the beginning of it um so so we lose um some competitive advantages that we would have normally had um if that but but to your point John uh, I I'm so for the first time in forever as as I would like to quote frozen so it it feels nice that I feel like the process is definitely there with the bills and I feel like I don't want to jinx anything, but the Bills in internally, I feel like hold themselves more accountable than most teams would. Obviously, more than the Titans have, but I think in general, you know, are, are keeping holding each other more accountable with the whole uh, mask up or, or backup campaign that McDermott is pushing. Yeah, absolutely. And you're and you're talking about advantages, disadvantages. Um, you know, looking at the Titans players on the COVID list, I mean, there are a couple of players that are of significance like Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys um, that might end up being to our benefit. Yeah. I was going to say, I, 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 so I messaged the guy who runs um, the music city miracles SB nation blog, um, Justin M Justin Mello. Um, we've had him on before. Cause he also does draft work for the draft wire. Um, super cool dude. Um, and I messaged him over Twitter. I said, Hey, you know, um, do you know how many of the Titans players they'll get back? from the COVID reserve lifts by Tuesday, because part of me is thinking like, I don't necessarily want the Titans at full, <laughs> full strength if we're going to play them. Right. I mean, so he said, he said, uh, he mentioned back to me, he said, nobody knows exactly who they're going to um, get back from that res- uh, COVID reserve list. Um, they've activated Isaiah Wilson, who wasn't part of the outbreak and Greg Mabin today. Mabin is a practice squad guy, not usually an active player. He was probably patient zero, he writes. <laughs> uh, Daquan Jones and Bo Brinkley, which are are their defensive linemen. Um, defensive linemen is Daquan Jones. Uh, long snapper is Bo Brinkley. He said they'll probably have the best chances of coming back. He's like, not sure on Christian Fulton, their cornerback. Not sure on linebacker Kamale Correa um, and Adam Humphreys. He's not sure about those guys. Those guys might have a chance. But like you mentioned, Corey Davis likely out. Um, defensive lineman Jeffrey Simmons likely out. Fullback Curry blessing game likely out. Tight end Michael Pruitt likely out. And uh, cornerback Brian Borders likely out. But he was from the practice squad. So, yeah, it should be interesting. So, so I was – we were mentioning earlier about how, you know, I feel like there's a lot of that – the, that the Bills are, are kind of – being punished for what other teams are doing. And in general, I mean, you look at like the Broncos and and the Patriots game being pushed back because of the positive cases within the Patriots still popping up from day to day. And, uh, you know, it just, it just seems weird. I I feel like until it's the majority of the league or maybe at least half the league, I feel like we're already punishing certain teams for just, you know, what a couple of teams have done. For example, I, I wanted to give this personal example because it always, it made me think of this when this was happening with the bills and the Titans, just cause I, I thought of how fair unfair it was with like, um, so I worked in this, I worked in an office like a few years ago. Right. And when I first got hired there, the first Friday or, you know, before the first Friday, I'm like, Hey, do you guys have casual Friday? Everyone knows a casual Friday is John. Do you guys have casual Friday at your work? Yeah, Absolutely. It's isn't it like one of the best like perks ever? It's like that small carrot at the end of the week. If you get there, you get to wear jeans and like a polo shirt or a t-shirt or whatever. On I wear a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> Do you really? If you like pina coladas, um, yeah. <laughs> I sent a memo to me beforehand 
It's like, hey, it's Hawaiian shirt Friday, right? So it's on everybody's calendar. <laughs> Nobody else ever does it. <laughs> but but the point is, it's <laughs> I do it. <laughs> I can see you with like a Tommy Bahama shirt <laughs> in like the middle of winter. <laughs> um, it is it is one of now my the company I work for now has it, but the company I, I worked prior to did not have it. And let me just tell you, like casual Friday is just, you know, you get to the end of the week, you know, you're just trying to push through to get to Saturday and just being able to wear comfortable jeans instead of dress pants or, you know, something that's not as relaxed fitting. Um, it is just, it's so nice. And so this company I work for, the first, the, the previous one that didn't have it, you know, I, the first Friday, I'm like, oh, you guys have you know, casual Fridays, right? And they're like, oh, no, we don't do that anymore. And I'm like, well, what do you mean you don't do it anymore? And like, well, we used to do it, you know, and then one of the people in the Syracuse office, you know, wore tube tops, you know, every casual Friday. So management decided to cancel it. (laughs) And I'm thinking in my head, like, are you kidding me? You know, why don't you just tell that person they can't do it? You can't wear that on casual Friday. But instead of them doing it, instead of them doing the right thing, like perhaps the NFL either, you know, penalizing the Titans, which they still might, or, you know, forcing them to forfeit, they're like, uh, you know, we're just we're just going to make everyone play. You know, we're going to make you use your bye weeks or whatever. And in my office, it was just like nobody gets casual Friday. And it wasn't even like to, that person could have left by the time I got there and casual Friday would still have been gone. It's like all everyone's suffering just because management didn't want to talk to that one person or because, you know, one person ruined it for everyone. <laughs> for some reason, they just made me think of it all the time. But yeah, I mean, I don't do the Hawaiian shirt, John, like you do. Actually, I've been thinking I should probably look into getting a Bill's Hawaiian shirt. I'm sure it exists somewhere, right? Buddy, I just saw it show up on like my Instagram feed <laughs> on, on fanatics.com. Um, guess how much it is for a Tommy Bahama Bill's Hawaiian shirt? $60. Up. Keep going, buddy. Seriously, even more than that, seventy-five. <laughs> keep, keep going, not even close. One twenty. One twenty-five. Oh my goodness! So you are a Hawaiian shirt lover and a Bills fan. Would you spend one hundred twenty-five dollars on the perfect Bills Hawaiian shirt for a Bills one? I mean, twenty bucks. <laughs> That's the most. If if it was a non-Bills one, like 12. Oh, okay. You uh, you must be getting the high-end ones. <laughs> oh, man. So so you know what bothers me, too, is um, just in general with cases um, becoming more and more prominent in the NFL with all teams. You know, we saw them with the Jets. We saw them with the Patriots. We saw some with the Raiders. Um, you know, I hate to be that guy, but part of me thinks that they really need to stop embracing after the game with the opposing team you know like you spend all week in in the locker room your lockers are isolated from other teammates lockers while you're in the facility you have to wear masks while you're on the field you don't have to but there's a lot less exposure while you're on the field playing um there's just there's just so many things that go into the week like you see pictures of the bills like going to game day or traveling right they're always wearing masks just going to the tarmac to the airplane, which I imagine they're probably wearing masks on the airplane while they're, you know, flying. And again, I hate to be this guy to like narc out or point out things that aren't um, ideal, but like there was a picture of Zay Jones hugging Jordan Poyer after the Bills Raiders game. 
And I know they played together, so I know they know each other, and I'm sure they're friends, and they haven't seen each other since maybe Zay Jones was traded. But man, like this is this is not the week to hug each other. You know, this is not the season to do that. And there was that picture of Josh Allen and Maurice Hurst, um, a, a player that did test positive after that game, and they were kind of hugging with their helmets on, and um, you know the coaches embracing each other, or, you know, congratulating each other for the on the win. Um, I feel like this year, more than any other year, or maybe just this season, or maybe possibly next season, you just go straight to the locker room. Like if you want to talk to that guy, you're just gonna have to Facetime him or call him later or shoot him a text. Like I, I just don't think this is the season to do that, and it really bothers me to see them happening. And I'm hoping, and I'm surprised that the NFL hasn't come down on that um, that post game sort of uh, congratulations. I know Tom Brady avoided uh nick Foles last week <laughs> um that was probably just <laughs> john's holding up the four symbol with his fingers as tom brady forgot it was fourth down when he threw that 25 yard pass for a fourth and five play um 25 yard incompletion john am i am i going too far on that idea of just going straight to the locker room or if if it was up to you would you do the same thing so I get what you're saying, and especially from a Bills perspective, I would, you know, if I'm the Bills, I would say, let's not do that. I mean, I just, every precaution necessary, I don't want Josh Allen out for two weeks or anything like that, right? But on the other hand, it's like, isn't the rule like 15 minutes of sustained contact or, you know, Indoors. if you do that, then wear a mask? And like, I, like I, I guess I don't understand what the, you know... I don't, I, don't I don't think I don't think any of us really truly know yet. I mean, we're still learning more about this virus as time goes on. I mean, just just like you said, I, I I was I was under the same CDC guidelines of 15 minutes indoors for prolonged period of time without a mask, right? Like that's that's where you're more likely to catch it. So, um, but then you see like these like the thing that happened in um, DC, the super spreader event with you know the president and you know. Uh, his his family members and you know different members of you know the Republican Party getting sick. Um, there was if that was the case, and people would I mean Stefan Gilmore embraced Patrick Mahomes after their game, right? And Stefan Gilmore tested positive. You Patrick Mahomes didn't test positive, even though you know. So you're right. Maybe I'm looking a little bit more into it than I should, but I think better safe than sorry this season above anything else like you mentioned could you imagine if josh allen ended up getting it because he like said said uh you know something to cam newton and cam newton turned out positive the next day and they just happened to breathe in each other's face um i don't know i don't know it's that's one of the things that bothers me and i and i kind of hope they just get rid of it just for now i mean if you want to like i said if you want to talk after or whatever if you want to get together in the off season that's something else but uh no, no, like a couple of weeks ago, I saw a picture with Matt Barkley and Robert Woods. They played together at USC. They haven't seen each other, I'm sure, in a while, um, at least on the field, playing against each other. So um, I get it. You guys want to hang out, but man, just just not the season. <laughs> um, so let's go around to um, some of the games that have in this league that affected the Bills. Um, John, you had a really good stat for the wins and losses for the Bills opponents that they played so far this year. So um, when the Bills beat the Jets and the Dolphins, people are like, well, who have you really beaten? It doesn't matter. Then the Bills beat the Rams, and, and people are like, okay, they're a pretty good team. And then the Raiders are like, ah, eh, they're all right. Now, John, the Raiders upset Kansas City today 
in Kansas City, 40-32, to to hand the Chiefs their first loss. The Dolphins absolutely destroy the San Francisco 49ers, 43-17. to Jimmy G gets benched at halftime. That's how crazy, that's how much of a blowout that game was. And the Rams beat the Redskins today in Washington, 30-10. to So I thought you had some really cool stats or some really cool takes on on those games and and how good it actually makes the Bills look now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's start with the Raiders, right? So they beat the Chiefs today. They beat the Saints. The only team, they're three and two. The only teams they lost to were the Bills and Pats. The Rams would be undefeated if it wasn't for the Bills. And then Miami, they beat San Francisco. But, you know, the, their loss, their two and three of their losses, Buffalo, New England, Seattle, they those are all really good teams. And they hung with those teams, too. They weren't like, you know, obliterated blowouts or anything. If you take, I mean, we all know the Jets suck, right? So if you take the Dolphins, the Raiders, and the Rams combined records, not including the Bills games, they're 9-3. and three. Yeah, that's pretty freaking good, right? Those teams are those teams that the Bills played are, no joke, for the Bills to be 4-0 against some really good competition minus the Jets, which, which what's the record, what's the combined record of all the New Jersey teams, John, that the Jets and the Giants at this point in the season? Uh, that would be 0-10. <laughs> not so great not great bob not so great um <laughs> that's awesome those are some really cool stats so the bills looking good bill john how many teams are as of now undefeated in the afc uh just buffalo tennessee and pittsburgh so if buffalo takes care of business it would just be the bills and steelers and the bills would have an extra win because of the steelers by week so it's an extra half game advantage over them that's cool awesome Awesome. So if the Bills win Tuesday evening, then the Bills basically take first place in the entire AFC. That's incredible. <laughs> that's that's really cool. And, I, and I'm kind of liking the Bills odds as of right now. I still can't find Vegas odds for the Bills game on Tuesday because nobody, nobody wants to post anything because um, it might not happen. But um, how crazy. How crazy is it the Bills could potentially not play and then have have prepared for the the Titans for the last week and now have to turn their uh turn their eyes towards the Chiefs. So interesting. Yeah, they could be they could be in Tennessee having flown down there and then be like, oh no, wait, we're canceling the game. They have to fly back up. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. They could actually that absolutely could happen. So uh we don't get a chance to do this a lot during the season, but since we're not recapping an actual Bills game this week, it's a perfect time to do it. Um let's do some listener email. You've got mail. All right. The first email comes to us from Drew. Now, I'm not going to give um, anyone's like email uh, full name or last name on the email. So I'm just going to give the very basics. Drew is a major at a very prestigious local school. So that's all you need to know about Drew. He writes, do you guys see the Buffalo Bills as a Super Bowl contender? Love the podcast. Best Drew. So John, I'll have you answer this one. I know I know you've been thinking about this for a while and and I'm going to ask you, do you think at 4 and all the Bills are Super Bowl contenders? Yes. <laughs> all right, thank you John. All right, so my <laughs> That's so It's so funny. I'm so glad I asked you first, John. John, who whenever we do our record predictions each season when the the schedule comes out, he has us going 16 and 0. <laughs> um but but seriously, um, on a serious note, I'll give you my thoughts, and then we'll kick you back, kick back to you, John. Um, last year, 
I will say, even though the Bills went 10-6, and six, technically they could have gone 11-5 and five if they really tried in Week 17 against the Jets. Um, I didn't have nearly as good of a feeling of that team in 2019 as I do in this team in 2020. And a lot of that, I mean, 90, 99% of it has to do with Josh Allen this season and the way that he's um, improved and matured and making so many good decisions and not turning the ball over. And uh, there was a stat, John, that you pointed out to us this week um, in our group text was uh, in the last 15 games, Josh Allen has 35 touchdowns and three interceptions. So, I mean, if you look over that that time frame, um, including the end of last season, I mean, he's just he's just playing at a different level. And um, last season, um, even though the Bills' defense appeared to be really good, I didn't think they had the horses in the barn to compete if the game got out of hand defensively. Like if the Bills played the Chiefs and the Chiefs scored 35 points and the Bills were down by two scores, I don't think last season's squad makes that leap um, to win the game. So um, I see this season, absolutely, the Bills are absolutely a Super Bowl contender in my opinion, and it's because of Josh Allen, even though the defense has taken uh, a modest step back. John, would you agree with what, what, I, just, what I just said? Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, as far as the defense goes, um, yeah, they're not traditionally the, the top five what we've been used to seeing, especially the last year. Um, but I think that's a lot around the league with a lot of defenses, and I wonder if that has to do with not having a preseason and, um, you know, like the tackling has been sloppy across the league. I think maybe as the season goes on, that's going to improve a little bit. We'll see. Um, you mentioned the Josh Allen statistic. Um, I have another one from at Bill's QB Watch that has some good Josh Allen stats. In the red zone, Josh Allen now has 45 career total touchdowns and zero interceptions and just one fumble loss. And that was in the Jets game at the beginning of the season. Um, the It begins and ends with Josh Allen, right? This season, he's taken a huge step forward. Um, and, you know, Dable's been great. Bean added digs to the roster. That's been great. And, like, I feel like anything can happen now. And whereas... You know, I've said this on previous podcasts, you know, like it'd be like third and 12. OK, let's let's see a draw for a couple yards or a, or, a, you know, a, a quick slant for three yards. And, you know, now it's like third and 22. It's like, yeah, maybe maybe they'll get it. You know, let's you know, he'll, he'll throw a 30 yard pass and get it. It's like it's crazy. I, I think they got a real, real good chance. Yeah. You know, um, can I give you some information on the 2019 the Bills 2019 quote-unquote top defense, top five defense, I should say. So the Bills last season finished second in points against and third in yards against, like technically a top three defense if we're really, <laughs> if we're if we're going to be specific. But I went through all of the games that the Bills, the teams that the Bills played last season and looked at their rankings for offense, okay? So part of, the things that I think one of the reasons I think that the Bills had a really good defense besides, you know, I think that they have a lot of talent and they have good coaching, but uh, I think a major factor has to be with the fact that the Bills didn't play a lot of top level offenses last season. They only played six games, six teams, I should say, last season out of 16 
that had an offense in the top half of the league. Okay. So, and they only won two games out of those six. So they lost to New England. New England was a top 16 offense. Tennessee was a win. They ended up being a top 10 offense. I would argue that um, they finished as a top 10 offense. They weren't when the Bills played them, when they had Marcus Mariota. I don't think they were a top 10 offense. So maybe that's a scratch. The Bills lost against the Eagles, which was a top 12 offense. The Bills did beat Dallas, which was a top six offense. The Bills did a great job in that game. But then the Bills lost against Baltimore, which was the number one offense last season, and the Patriots again, twice. So a lot of that, I mean, if you look at like the teams the Bills played that weren't top half, I mean, you're talking like the bottom four or five teams, like the 32nd ranked offense, the 31st ranked offense, the 30th ranked offense, the 28th ranked offense, the 27th ranked offense. I mean, you're looking at some crappy, crappy teams. Cincinnati, I mean, you're talking the Jets, Cincinnati, Washington was ranked last in the league. The Jets were ranked second last in the league, you know. um, That's because they played Buffalo. (laughs) So that one game against Buffalo helps you. They would have been, they instead of being a 32nd ranked offense, Washington probably would have been like, you know, 20th. If not for that one game against the Bills. So I think that we have to keep that in mind when we're talking about the Bills having a top five defense. And maybe this season regressing a little bit more towards the mean of them being maybe a top 12 defense. You know, right now they're like, where are they ranked right now? 17th in points against and 20th in yards against. So really they're a bottom half defense as of now. It just so happens that their their offense is performing at a top five level. (laughs) So, so it doesn't matter what their defense is doing right now. If the bills defense does find itself, like you mentioned, without there being a preseason, maybe it's taking a while for them to get some traction. If they do that in the second half of the season and they find a way to be a top, I would say top 12 defense or top 10, I won't go top five because that might be tough at this point, but top 12, top 10 defense at this point with the way that Allen's playing and Allen continues to do well. I mean, Super Bowl is absolutely in the conversation. A deep playoff run, the first playoff win in what? Since 1995, John? Hoping to get one bye and then a playoff win and then, yeah, Super Bowl. And this is last season. Um, I wouldn't wouldn't have been confident with them going deep, even though they had like the best. I mean, Houston was the best matchup for them. In the playoffs, they were the weakest team in the AFC that made the playoffs, and the Bills couldn't beat them. So, um, even though I think they technically, they technically did beat them with all the plays that went against them, but um, they, they just didn't have the the uh, the stable to go against a team like the Ravens or the Chiefs and really beat them soundly. This year they do. So, um, I think we're going to end on that, John. Uh, this was this was fun to talk about. Uh, the bills uh, as possible. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, I did forget one more one more email from a listener. So we got a lot of feedback last week from our conversation of turning points in a game. So we were discussing a turning point in the game. One of our listeners brought that up. They, oh, the turning point in the game was this, and I mentioned, oh, I always think about Gettysburg for some reason. That's always the the thing that comes to mind because Gettysburg was the turning point of the Civil War, and then Mike brought up some Napoleon War, which I'd never heard of. So I don't know anything about Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose, I know some listeners probably think we're so dumb and other p- listeners are just like, yeah, I, I know who he is, but I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you anything about him. Um, and then uh, Joe emailed us in a different option for 
a turning point in the game. So uh, he mentioned uh, when Lincoln Hawk from the movie Over the Top. So for those that aren't familiar, Over the Top was a movie that came out in the 80s with Sylvester Stallone. It was like a B-level, maybe more, maybe more like a C-level movie, especially after, you know, Stallone had Rocky and Rambo and all those really, you know, hit 80s movies. Here's Over the Top where there's this trucker who decides he's like an arm wrestling champion. And he also has to win back the affection of his estranged son or something. It's like the weirdest premise of a movie. I know they did a, uh, there's this podcast called um, How Did This Get Made? where they go over all these terrible movies. (laughs) That was one that they went over. So um, not a great movie, but there's a line where he says, What I do is I, I just try to take my hat and I turn it around and it's like a switch that goes on. And when the switch goes on, I feel like another person. I feel, I don't know, I feel like a, like a truck, like a machine. See, so Joe writes, it's a little obscure and definitely outdated, but I guarantee 75% plus of the fan base will know this uh, reference. The Bills 5-0 and this week, Joe. So thanks, Joe, for that option. John, have you, have you seen Over the Top or have heard of this reference? No, I've not seen this film. Um, and John just gave a frozen based, reference this this podcast. I mean, <laughs> I mean based on your description, I, I have a pretty good idea now <laughs> without needing to see it. Um, wait, 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 I, wait, wait, wait! Before you go into that, just give me a synopsis of how you think this movie goes and ends, Be- because you think he, you pretty much tell, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much, right? Like some some stuff happens at the beginning, and then he, he has to turn his hat backwards to defeat some guys, and then. Um, you know, he wins back his son at the end. Yeah, and he ends up winning the whole thing, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's just, that's exactly how that movie goes. <laughs> but continue, continue before I cut you off. So, like, I mean, I, I mean, granted, I haven't seen the movie, right? So I can't, you know, say for sure. But like, you know, how, how, how can you compare like these great historical events as a turning point in in, in history versus a, a Sylvester Stallone movie? <laughs> <laughs> well, not only that, like, I mean, he. Joe did mention 75% plus of the fan base would know it, and right now he's 50-50 because I'm the only one that knows. <laughs> it's a small sample size, so that's that's you not— think Mike knows it? I think Mike, Mike absolutely knows it. So right now you're— Okay, 66%. All right. <laughs> Mike definitely knows it. Um, he's a huge Rocky and Rambo fan. But, um, you know, I think that there is there is a really good— example out there that we just haven't thought of maybe and, and i like the joe that joe brought up a movie right because every movie ever made has its turning point where all of a sudden things change from one to the other we just haven't thought of it but joe's kind of turning the wheels i can't think of a more of a bigger example in history than gettysburg can you like is there so I, I don't even know what the turning point in world war ii was was it normandy like i i was it uh and I just watched the World War II documentary on Netflix, so I should know this. <laughs> um, I did stitch through like 10 hours of World War II footage in color. Um, <laughs> but I, I, but even so, it's not... Think, well, yeah, you would think World War II would be a big one, right? Yeah, like, but if it's not obvious, if we don't know it off the top of our head, it can't be... It's There's a reason, you know? So like, it's got to be something when people know this, they're like, oh yeah, that was the Gettysburg of the Buffalo Bills game this week or whatever, when the Bills were losing and they turned it around. How about this? Why don't we use a Bills game to reference when this happens? Like January 3rd, 1993, the greatest comeback in NFL history. Third quarter, the Bills are down 35-3. to Frank Reich orchestrates a drive. 
Kenneth Davis gets a rushing touchdown. Boom. That's the turning point. That drive right there. Bills proceed. Don Beebe gets a touchdown. Then three Andre Reid touchdowns. There's like a Steve Christie recovers his own onside kick. I mean, it's glorious, right? Yes. Yes, it's not pandemonium. It is pandemonium. It is fandemonium. It is fantastic. It's fandemonium. It's fandemonium. <laughs> I so I love I love that idea. That is that theory and the logic that brought you to where you came, where you went and where you got to. I love it. I just it's not as succinct. You can't just say um so the Kenny Davis touchdown in the comeback game, play of the game. <laughs> No, point. just say the comeback game, third quarter. That's all you need to say. The comeback game, third quarter, turning point of today's game. <laughs> we if we, if, if we can find the Frank, the Frank, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> if people have some ideas of how to shorten that or whatever, I would be welcome to any feedback. Um, if you guys like that point that John made, I love it too. Um, if there's a way to shorten it, if you guys like Gettysburg, if you guys like the Lincoln Hawk over the top reference or maybe um the napoleon wars which i will uh have to do more research on or i'll have to have mike explain it again and uh we can use that really appreciate you guys listening to this and listening to us go on and on about this here's hoping that we end up having a game on tuesday and we're watching the next time we guys we talk to you guys on tuesday night the bills are five and oh and alone atop the AFC conference. So signing off for John. Go Bills. And for me, Nate, go Bills, Super Bowl contenders. You can pretty much book the tickets for the Super Bowl in May or whenever it ends up being played. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. <laughs>